It is the 23rd of November, and we are all here tonight to start the most horrifying recording we have ever done. That is right. It is time for the call of Christmas for 2022 as the most horrifying thing that I'm sure many of us can imagine is a large family gathering with people we don't really like. This year we have something a little different from last year. This year we have one of those family meetings that takes place up in the uh, the area of Boston, Miskatonic University. And up, up there, there is a manor house that is usually home to a tradition for a family. The Roxfall family in particular, with the aging and elderly Commodore sitting at the head of this family. He's a older man late 70s, something in that area, and has been having this family gathering at his large house for many a year. Many of the people we will meet tonight have spent their formative years growing up spending holidays and other important family events at this house. And then they grow up and their stories branch out elsewhere. For simplicities, if you like in the description of this recording, there is a link to a Miro.com website that has a family tree for all of the players that you can look at. And all of the NPCs are also included there to make things a little easier for you. This manor house is a little bit outside of the city limits. It takes by 1920s, which is around the time that this is taking place, takes more than a little bit of effort to get to takes horse riding or a automobile, as the case may be, given the the time of technological advancement. The date is December 22nd. We have just a few short days until Christmas Eve and Christmas itself, wherein this family will come together as it has for many years. We're going to open up with one of the residents of this house. Cecil, where are you found when your mother comes a-calling because some of your cousins, your nephews, and your rest of your family members will be arriving soon, and you are to be prepared and presentable for their arrival? They... Uh, he is probably going to be wandering around the uh, the lesser occupied parts of the house, so possibly the dining room, looking at some of the uh, the art on the walls and the finery, the uh, what is it, the the, the sideboard or the uh, the uh, whatever the thing is that uh, yeah, it's a sideboard that has all the extra like you know, dishes and plates, and looking at some of like the the the, the ornate dishware and glassware that is out and going to be set out shortly. And just kind of like meandering about <sighs> like running his hands along some of the rims of the glasses, hands in his pockets, kind of kicking his heels out, strutting sort of around himself, admiring all of this overt wealth. And it's uh, both beauty and wastefulness. And what does Cecil look like? Cecil is in his uh, young. Tw- he's in his early twenties. He is wearing a uh, 
be a, a, a somewhat old school, but in well repair suit. It's got like the tie. Ah, that's white shirt. Great overcoat, patches on the elbows. Uh, it's got kind of like that, uh, a cap. It's the, sort of a, sort of, I mean, the nicer version of sort of a working class man's hat. And uh, similar similar types of shoes. And wearing uh, sort of like the nicer version of what a working man would wear to church. Sort of like their Sunday best. You know, the, the brown leather type of, uh, uh, I guess, Red Wing style shoes. You know, a little heavy. Hits the floor hard. Not the more uh, well-to-do, well-heeled, thin, high-gloss leather. That was the custom of the time. Mm, indeed. Mm. <laughs> onion tied to your belt. Sorry? Yeah, yes, the, yes the, the onion is indeed firmly affixed. Wonderful. As you are going about in this dining room area, a... Uh, an older woman, someone actually a little bit older than your mother. She's in her 50s. She is wearing a cook's or maid's uniform. She has the apron, the the black underclothes to underneath of it so that it doesn't, you know, show all of the dirt. She is carrying a stack of table linens. And as she comes around, she's, oh, Master Cecil. I apologize. I did not know you were in here. I was just preparing for this evening's meals. This no, is no, no problem at all. No problem at all. And uh, well, you know, I don't want to get in the way. Of course. I mean, I know how hard you work, whatnot. You know. She gives you a warm smile. This is Geraldine Cook. She is the cook or the uh, the help. Basically, she does a lot of the cooking and cleaning and various maid work here. Her son is also around the grounds boy, Wesley. We'll meet him a little later. He is probably preparing the the walk out front, cleaning the, the last of the leaves as it has gotten deep into winter and is starting to be a little bit of something that requires attention. Well, uh, I'll get out of your way. Sorry for... Uh... For just just being in the way, I haven't been here in a while. I don't quite fit in. No, no trouble at all, Master Cecil. I do believe the lady of the house has been calling for you. I just he'll cringe as she says, Master says, just you know, you could just call me Cecil. You know, we're all just you know we're all just people trying to get by, right? Anyway, I'll let you go. Let me go see what uh, the mistress of the house wants. He'll smile and uh, turn on his heels and march out. Your mother, where do you think that you find her in this moment? Oh, I think that she would be in a uh, in a conservatory. Mm. As you go to the conservatory and you meet mother, tell us a little bit about your mother. Oh, uh, well, let's see. She's probably going to be in her mid-40s. Absolutely beautiful, blonde, beautiful wavy hair, uh, and a very fine but appropriate dress of a woman of her age. And she's uh, reclined back in the observatory, enjoying the the setting sun as it falls in the distance over the tops of the alpine trees. And uh, she'll look up and smile. 
Hopefully. <laughs> oh, she certainly does. And she gets up to head over to you to give you just a pat on the shoulders to look you over and make sure that you are put together and presentable. You are a piece. You are her darling boy. And more importantly, you are the, well, heir, direct heir to the Commodore's lands, mansion, manse, estate. Estate. All of the above? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His dignity, if it were to be properly old school. Well, we know you don't have any of that. <laughs> yes. He'll uh he'll he'll beam mother and like arms outstretched and just totally, you know, give her just the biggest old hug. Ah, mother, it's good to see you. I didn't want to see the grounds for a bit, but uh it's good to be home. Oh, Cecil. And she pages at your cheeks in the way that mothers do. She finds that it's covered in like a this sort of uh the fuzzy beard. It's kind of like the, the, the rough the rough shaven yeah, not not the not the fresh, the fresh-faced young man that she sent off to university. Oh no, he's got a little peach fuzz. Oh, he's got like the full, like like the the full the of the stubble of a full beard. Like he hasn't shaved it, but it's like it's coming in like that, kind of like rough, like full-on, like neck cheeky. You know, like it's it's a full beard, but just a month old, <laughs> just not shaving. The worst. Yeah. She motions for you to sit down next to her. She sits down. She has a little cup of tea that is, uh, it's cooling as it's been a little while since she's had it, but it is there. And when you sit, she says, now, your father has some very important announcements to make this year. So should we make sure to, well, make sure to give him his space, let him rest, and make sure that everything goes off perfectly. Mother, he'll he'll like touch his chest in faux surprise. I can't believe you. Why, why would you feel the need to say such a thing? Does does the arch capitalist not have room for him himself? He'll say that this this mock accent of the upper crust. She looks a little concerned for just a moment. One of those things where it's like, uh, mm. uh I was looking for your character sheet because I was going to ask for you to roll something, but I don't happen to see it here. Huh. Oh, that's not my character sheet. I have I have a text I have a text file with various fa- values in it. Is that helpful? I don't know if that's oh, helpful. No, let me let me go ahead and make sure that you have control over one of these character sheets because you should totally have a control over one of these character sheets. Huh. Yeah, there you are. Oh, journal, that- journal, journal. No, nothing. Did it not Efric Ojak show up for you? Man, I'm actually going to go back and edit this part out if I remember. Sorry, everybody. Yep. We're by it. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm clicking journal for what it's worth, and I don't see anything. Whatever. F- so. We'll fix it later in post. We'll fix it in post. What type of roll would you like? I can roll any type of number that you would like. Uh, if you have anything that is medicine, insight, or something to get information about your father who has, over the past couple of months started to deteriorate in a health-related fashion. Oh, no, I have, like, the base stats, man. I have int, you luck, power, int, apcon, deck, size, strength. I have uh, any I'm of ha- those. <laughs> I'm happy to roll an education. There we go. 
So it is a 40. So we'll roll just a d100. Yeah. Plus 40? No, I have to get under 40. Correct. I did not, I did, I did not succeed. <laughs> you did not succeed. So clearly, how does, how does Cecil take the uh, swords here? How does Cecil rationalize to himself the fact that his father has been spending more time by himself, not mobile and socializing? He's been in the house. He's been requiring a lot this? more assistance. Yeah, you've been living here. Okay. I know how recent it was. Uh, oh, mother, I'm just choking. Come on. If anything, this place could use a little levity. <sighs> and he'll think to himself, you know, well, well I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll go check on Father. I'll make sure he's all right. I'll say some kind words. No antagonism from me. I am sure he would be happy to see you. But how have you been? Oh. Busy, busy. These holidays are very important to the family. I know, I know. Just, you know, try to enjoy yourself a little. I sometimes worry that, I don't know, people like, uh, well, people with our means can often not appreciate them. You know, like, I've just been exposed to so many types of people in college, Mother. I've just uh, people, and, and, and there's so much more vibrancy out there than concern over the right type of doily at the at the dinner table and whatnot and if the if the if the fork is the exact number of inches offset from the from the water glass she simply just takes her hand and pats it yes this is these are all all of these are important things i see i'm just being mollified well i understand mother not the first time but i will i will dutifully fulfill my Fulfill my filial piety. Go see Father and put his mind at ease immediately. I do believe that he is in the library. Well, off I go. I'll check on him, and uh, presumably we'll get through the meeting without starting some type of, I don't know, a Second World War or something. Or second version of the Great War. I'm sure that you will manage. All right, off I go. He'll leave. As you leave and begin to head out through the door, we transition the camera over to the outside of the front door. And Claudia, tell me a little bit about who we see out here arriving. Well, uh, it's me, my dad, who I love, and um, my mom. She she came with us. We had to pick her up from the hospital. She's um, been in the hospital. She had, I don't know, like the vapors or something. I, I don't know what the correct way to say it in society was, but she's needed a bit of a break. And she's lucky enough to get to spend the holiday with us. What does Claudia look like? Claudia, I, I'm young, but, you know, old. I'm 17. Uh, I have fashionable hair for the time, fashionable dress. I'm allowed to get pretty much whatever clothing I want, and I just love fashion. Uh, my hair is short and curled and pinned just right. And if you would tell me a little bit about your father and mother as they arrive with you. 
Well, my father, his name is Michael. He's he's so amazing. He's probably the smartest person that I know. He's a professor and he just knows just about everything. Um, he's really taken care of me my whole life because my, my mom, she hasn't really been very helpful. She has some condition where she just wants in a while she goes a little um, cuckoo, I guess. And sometimes it's violent and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's mean. Sometimes she's re-sewing all of the curtains in the house overnight. It's, it's, it's strange, the things that she sometimes obsesses over. She, I tried to do her hair. It, it looks nice. It's in two plaits. But it it's not going to stay. No, she has put a, a headscarf on to protect herself from the cold that is out here. But maybe, maybe it'll stay this time. We'll see what happens when she takes it off. I worked really hard on it, and I hope that we can just get through just this holiday. Just this once. Yeah, you've got, what, four, five days here? And as your car pulls up out front to drop everybody off, uh, you can see that out in the air, out in the front area here, there is somebody that is looks like he is just working. He's cleaning up some of the the fallen leaves from the day. He's cleaning up some of the just lawn detritus, making sure the animals are all cleaned and put away. And who is who is this guy? That's my friend, Wesley. Um, you can't tell anybody. If I tell you this secret, you promise you're not going to tell anybody? I promise. We're totally in love. We're, we're probably going to run away and get married. I don't, I, this place is horrible. He is treated horribly around here. And like, we can just make a beautiful home together and have our horses and our animals and, you know, just a simple life is really all I need. That is such a beautiful sentiment. Wonder if you'll get to have that. Well, I can't, I can't tell my dad. All right. And God forbid the Commodore find out he would probably fire Wesley and possibly even his mom. So it's got to stay between us. All right. Promise. As your vehicle drives past, you can see that Wesley looks up from his work and smiles and waves at everybody in the car. And I just, I just smile. I'm not going to wave because that might be too much. That, that might give something away. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. That's right. Pulling up to the front door, your father gets several of the bags out and starts to carry them towards the front. Wesley comes jogging over because here he is as someone who works here and begins to assist your father in carrying what bags he he can. Uh, your mother's stuff is very carefully carried by your father because inside, you know, is her medications. He's so strong. <laughs> so yeah. strong. Wesley takes 
the bags and begins to run up to the, the front door, push it open, carrying way too many things, and holds the door open for your family to walk in, who, upon arrival, starts to take off their outmost layers, their scarves, their heavy coats, things to keep them from the cold, cold December weather. And I'm going to assist my mother because sometimes she can have trouble with buttons and it's just easier that way if I, I just just help quietly with just a smile for her. And it also helps to keep her from messing up her hair that she worked so hard on. Yes, I just she needs to stay presentable just just for dinner, maybe just through dinner, please. I, I know it's a lot to ask. It is, but for the moment, she seems quiet and maybe it's the cold, maybe it's the growing late hours of the day, but for now, she is not agitated. It's like little moments like this where I kind of. I see the mom that I, I wish she was. So I'm just going to hold on to that positive feeling for a minute and just help her, just smile. Wesley, the young man, interrupts your, your reverie here. Uh, Miss Claudia, we are, and he's motioning towards the stairs where your father has begun to climb them, taking bags to the rooms that they will be staying in, and you will be staying nearby. Come, mother, let's follow the, the gentleman up to our rooms. Don't you want to see where we're going to stay tonight? He doesn't say anything. Mumbles a little bit, but still just very quietly, very docile. Clearly her medications are still working. She's had such a long day. So I just guide her by her arm very gently towards the stairs to follow. And up you go. In the process, you will see Cecil walking towards the library on the second floor up here. Cecil, you can obviously see the four people coming through that you recognize as being part of your family. In particular, your grandniece, as I look at the family. Yeah, I think so. And your uh, step-grand-nephews. Ah, family! Welcome home. I was just about to go see Father. Ah, anyone need any help getting their bags moved in? You will notice that the ground boy Wesley is well overladen with bags. Wesley, they have loaded you up. Ah, should have been there earlier. He'll come over and uh, and pick up some of the the bags. Let me let me help you. Let me get some of these. Wesley, being a younger boy and someone I imagine you've treated quite well over your time here, is happy to to allow you to assist. Thanks, Cecil. I could, uh, I was managing, but you know, I don't want to mess with any of their their garments. I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to them. Ah, yes, yes, yes. But you know, we're not all a bunch of uh, <sighs> fancy boys and whatnot. He'll look back and uh, over at those who just come inside. Some of us can uh, develop our backs, even though we didn't have a, a natural predilection towards it. He'll hoist it up and uh, realize he doesn't actually know exactly what rooms they're going to be staying in. Or uh, I don't think they normally stay in this house. Wesley starts to 
to head with the remaining bags to their rooms. And as he goes by and Claudia and her mother follow, the father, Professor Michael, claps you on the shoulder as you're holding the bags with a little bit more of effort. Cecil, it's good to see you, my boy. Ah, it's good to see you as well. Good to see you as well. Fellow of education. Yeah. Indeed. I have brought some texts for you from the from the college. Ah, <laughs> oh, text. You brought them from college where they were belong. They seem to have escaped and sought me here. Well, fair enough. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll look them over. Do you the favor of that, at least. Let me get these bags situated, you know. Of Someone's course. got to do something. He'll wink. And uh, continue delivering the bags to the appropriate rooms. Of course. <sighs> Claudia, as you are walking through with your own little personal bag of belongings and following behind Wesley, he does occasionally peek over his shoulder, which he plays off as like readjusting a, a strap or something like that, but he does look over at you and, and give a little smile that your mother doesn't seem to notice off the just the beginning of her night. Well, that the smile really makes me feel like flushed. I'm sure I'm blushing now. Um, so I just kind of grab my hanky and, you know, wipe at my nose to hide my smile. He's so cute. So dreamy. You guys are just the gross. So sugary sweet. It makes me makes me ill. Sorry, you don't like love. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so pure and true. Your future can be nothing but bright. Just as soon as you get your inheritance from your your great-grandfather. We could start a whole new life. And we have all the love that we need. It would be beautiful. It would be so beautiful. Speaking of all of the love that you need, there is little that one needs that is not the love for the Lord. And in a taxi, uh, well, not a taxi, in a car that is being driven by one of the local parishioners, we see good Reverend Green and his companion, uh, the soon-to-be sister Edith Ann Cartwright, traveling in this vehicle that is being borrowed to make sure that the two of them arrive for this dinner event for this celebration of Christmas, for the celebration of family, and for the celebration of Christ. Edith, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so Edith is, um, well, obviously single, a uh, 28-year-old uh, uh, woman. She has uh, curly strawberry blonde hair, but it is tucked under a nun's habit. But since she has not taken her vows yet, it's an all-white habit. And she has the uh, wool frock that is also all-white that novices have to wear prior to taking their vows. Um, She's like maybe a little on the short side, like around 5'3". She's not a very tall person. Uh, but she's also not like uh, frail or dainty. She's but she's not stocky. I mean, she's she's had to work. 
so she's she's got a little bit of like an athletic kind of a build. And uh, green eyes, pale skin. And um, you'll often see her, especially as she's riding in the car with uh, Reverend Green. She's kind of itching at her arms and pulling at the collar at her neck. The, the wool is uh, very, very scratchy. But very warm in this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can understand why, why it is chosen by the sisters. Very efficient and functional. Mm. Tell me about the Reverend. Well, the Reverend uh, oversees uh, the convent. Um, he's, uh, he's up there in age, probably late 50s, early 60s. He is a slight man. He is pretty frail. Doesn't look like he's ever lifted a thing in his life. Um, gray hair, uh, clean shaven. He, you know, wears his collar. Um, he's, uh, very eager to go more so than Edith Ann is like he really is excited to be going to the house to this dinner to 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 see the family and and, uh keeps talking about the commodore and all the great things he's done and talking about the emmanuel and and the the wonderful uh you know the businessman that he is and edith ann is just kind of looking out the window, not really paying much attention as he goes on and on. She knows what he really wants. So. Mm. And what does she think that he really wants? Well, he wants donations. He wants gifts to the church. He's, you know, costs a lot of money to, to keep a church and keep a convent. And, you know, yes, the nuns make their own clothes out of the cheapest wool that he can find. But still, I mean, that wine doesn't pay for itself. True, and sacramental wine is very important. Mm-hmm. Only the best. For all of the ice. <laughs> you, he has not yet become holy enough to turn Walter into wine, but he's working on it. <laughs> Sorry about this cough. I got no, to go and grab it's that as, a, as I clean this up. Driving up this... Uh, driving on your way up here, it is getting darker. It is starting to really feel that winter time when it gets nigh invisible. Earlier, nigh invisible—that's not the right. Those are not words at all. It gets very low visibility out here, outside of the city, where there's no streetlights and there's no uh, houses to really give off just some ambient light. He asks about your schooling and how how are you enjoying the, the education and the teachings that has happened? Are you prepared to go over to the, the convent and serve our Lord for as long as he needs? Surely, Father, I, I the, the sisters have prepared me well. Um, I know what is expected. And as far as studying, I I find uh, I find study to be quiet and where I can do my own business, as the good book says. He smiles and is very appreciative that you went straight to the good book. Yes, the good book. Well, 
it it guides us through all of aspects of our life and this this event this christmas dinner will be there to to showcase the most important event so kind of look confused and I'm surprised, Father, that you would think the birth of Christ to be the most important and not his death for all of us. Christ is capable of performing many miracles, but I don't think that even he could die without first being born. True, Reverend. I'm sorry I I spoke uh, and questioned you. No, there's nothing to worry about, dear sister. It is... It is the forgiving time of year, and it is a joyous time of year. The driver says back to the the pair of you, "Uh, we're almost there, Reverend. I'll be in another couple of minutes. And he points up a hill where there's a large manor house, a manor house that you are very familiar with that is fairly decently well lit for being by itself. Is there anything you want to discuss with the Reverend before? heading up the the hill here to the front door. Um no, I th- I think she'll just kind of look at the house and take a deep breath. This is just she's not quite sure why she's here. Perhaps that is a question that she should pray on. Yes, I'm sure she is silently praying even now. Sorry, I'm being shown incredibly cute pictures. Ed, man, it is very cute there. Oh my god, somebody's got a friend. I, he's so good now. As you arrive and pull up into the little roundabout parking lot, there's another vehicle here that is already parked and is in the process of unloading. Emmanuel. I'm already unloading. Uh, Unless you would like to be something else. No, no, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure I knew where we were at. So, yes, uh, there is a heavy set, tall man, like 6'4", looks to be maybe like 340 pounds, but a lot of it looks like it's muscle that may have just kind of moved south for the winter. He's wearing a brown suit, well cut. He is currently stepping out of a Studebaker 6. In the back, there are a number of pieces of luggage, as well as wrapped gifts of various sizes. And he is wearing uh, an out-of-season straw boater hat. To cover his bald head, he's got one of those very nice waxed, like curly mustaches. No, uh, no beard to speak of. Uh, does not uh, hide the uh, the double chin that he's starting to uh, grow. And he's pointing up towards the doorway, saying, um, "Wesley, get down here. I've got far too much to carry myself. Even the smallest box is too much for me to carry. And where's that?" Uh, uncle of mine. He should be helping with this too. I have a gift with his name on it. There is a shot from the open doorway here as young Wesley comes running down the stairs from where he just dropped off. The rest of your, well, your niece and your brother and his wife and is coming down to quickly assist you in handling all of your packages. 
Yes, that's right. Good boy, good lad, good man. Working hard as every young man should, not wasting their profitable years in school doing nothing but reading books. Why, when I was his age, I was a captain in the army. Signal Corps. Has he goes off. Go ahead. Has anyone else arrived at the house with you? Uh, no. There has been nobody else. He drove alone. And it is noticeable because this is the first time that he has arrived alone to this particular gathering. You will see Wesley go to open the passenger door of your car before he realizes that there is nobody in there. Looks very awkward for a moment. Blushes. But keeps his head down to both your your verbal tirade and his discovery as he begins to to head inside. You can see a car pulling up the driveway. It's a long driveway. It might take them a second. And there is a another man that comes around the corner of the house who was working uh, somewhere in the back or coming out of the helps cottage that is back in that direction seeing more people arriving. Uh, this is old Joe O'Malley. Why don't you tell me a little bit about old Joe? Old Joe is not that old, actually. He's probably uh, late middle ages. Uh, late middle age, excuse me. Late middle ages is entirely too old. Uh, he is has a weathered face. Like He has spent his entire life outdoors. He is one of those types where if somebody says, were you born in a bar? He unironically says, I, I was. Uh, his hair is uh, red fading into white. He has a clean-shaven face. Uh, he's uh, short, but because like his back is bowed, because he has worked hard all of his life. He's got these rough, gnarled hands. His skin is sunburnt. Uh, he wears a checkered shirt and a pair of coveralls. He's got a flat cap on. And he even has like that, that squinty, like kind of screwed-up face. And then he's got, his, he's got his pipe that he's smoking. And he has a very particular brand of tobacco. Um, a very specific form of Cavendish that has um, essentially it's like the he's like maybe the only person in the country who smokes it and the only reason he smokes it is is because something that Emmanuel brings by every so often it's like the every year for Christmas Emmanuel just gets him a tin of this tobacco so he can pack his pack his pipe with it for the year because Emmanuel just assumes that he likes it and Old Joe just smokes it because it's there. He comes up and greets you with a a warm smile, a smoking pipe, and a firm handshake. Manuel just you know slaps his hand into into Old Joe's and says, "It's great to see you. It's the high point of my year. I swear to God." <laughs> indeed, indeed. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And he gives you a good firm couple of pumps. Yes, then the same to you. He begins to assist with the various packages that you're carrying here. Uh, so, Emmanuel very specifically isn't carrying any packages, nor his luggage. It's yeah. too important for that. That sounds about right. 
but he will regale old Joe with stories about the year, about his business. He's asking how the grounds have been. He is not asking about anybody in the house. Very specifically not asking about the health and well-being of any of his family members, it seems. Correct. Perfect. What a dick. Yes. As you stand there by the door watching old Joe and Wesley move packages in from the car to the lobby. Um, another car pulls up and inside that car is a cousin? Cousin. Your cousin Edith. And, At, oh, go ahead, sorry. And the Reverend, who also gets out. And another person that you don't recognize, they're just a not even dressed up. They are just seemingly, probably in your eyes, the help. So, as as Emmanuel's standing there on the porch watching Edith Ann and the Reverend and the help get out of this car, he'll say just loud enough for old Joe to hear, like, well, I see that she's found another one. At least this one has the good sense to bring assistance along, carry the bags. I don't know what they think they're carrying out of here. It certainly isn't going to be any of my money. Ha <laughs> ha! Edith Ann is free to respond to that however she wishes. Uh, she'll ignore the comment, um, and she'll call out to Cousin Emmanuel. Hello? Hello, dear cousin. So nice to see you. It's, um... Wonderful that you were able to find time for your family this year. Yes, well, business is as business does, as I always say. And it's wonderful to see you taking the vows of, um, which one is it again? Not the Lutherans, is it? The Catholics, the, the Conference of 1883. I, which one? My I don't... vows are really no concern for a man like you. But let me introduce you to Reverend Green. He has been very excited to make your acquaintance, Reverend Green, my cousin Emmanuel. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. And he goes to give you a handshake that is not nearly as firm as old Joe's. So Emmanuel will do that same thing. He slaps his hand into Reverend Green's and gives it the hardest squeeze that 65 strength can give me. <laughs> I mean, if you want to actually roll strength to see how much you... Almost a hard success. Almost. I will remind you, because it's been a while since we played Call of Duty, you are allowed to spend luck to increase your degree of success. I'm going to spend six luck to make this a hard success and establish dominance. <laughs> you are very clearly immediately dominant over this lesser being. As Fantastic. He, as he holds your handshake for a moment, but then as you begin to give it a proper manly handshake, he very quickly crumbles and is uh, inferior to you in all ways that matter to you. Well, I'm certain the pleasure is all mine. Through gritted teeth, he's like, yes, it's... I've heard many things about you. I'm sure you have. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, cousin Edith Ann has stated I am Emmanuel Roxfall of Roxfall Pharmaceuticals. A uh, chain of drugstores in Boston, and we're moving to uh, New York City. <laughs> Business has been booming during these tumultuous times. That is very good to hear. I 
I'm glad that you are helping all of the people that need assistance get assistance. And he's trying to remove his hand from your vice-like grip to to save himself. Manuel is absolutely not going to let go. And every time he punctuates his words about his business dealings, he does another shake and another squeeze. And it's about about the time that that Green, like his knees start to buckle is when Emmanuel will let go. Give him that slap on the back and says, well, I'm not going to bore you with all of the details of my financial success. Cousin Edith, uh, Reverend Green, please go in before me. It's only custom. Uh, Edith will carry her small overnight bag and uh, she'll kind of nod politely to him, but not smile and walk into the house. Um, Good. She knows her place. Wow. Uh, I think she stayed here before, so I think she knows where they'll put her. And it's probably usually up on the very top floor where the servants sleep. That's pretty close to right. There's rooms up there, and it's always the top floor because that's the hottest in the summer and the coldest in the winter. Uh, So, yeah, she'll probably just not wait for anybody to direct her. She'll just carry her bag up to that room. The reverend will stay down with Emmanuel and begin to make small talk. He is actually fairly interested in your financial gains and means. Of course he is. Uh, Emmanuel is only too happy to talk about himself. The uh, Roxfall Pharmaceuticals is uh, just a brand of corner drugstore, and they're well known for uh, Roxfall Miracle Tonic. It flies off the shelves, he cannot keep it stocked, and it is the cornerstone of his success. But they do not carry a lick of alcohol, no sir, not during Prohibition. Uh, Steadfast Tito Toller himself, he would not let a single drop of the devil's liquor cross his lips. Happy to hear hear about your adherence to the, the new laws that have been passed recently, and that you are such a, a man of faith to deny the, the devil's liquor. Um, we're going to, to kind of speed things along a little bit. Everybody's going to be moved into their rooms. Uh, old Joe O'Malley is going to park Emmanuel's car into like the the car garage, the car hole, and uh, busy himself with his work. Professor Michael Roxfall is going to be in one of the the side rooms, just kind of relaxing from the drive and sitting there with his wife Deirdre, just by the fire, calm. Not, not doing anything exciting or invigorating. The Reverend is going to go and find Dorothy, Cecil's mother. Cecil, are you with Mom, or have you stayed up with your checking in on your father? Yes, uh, he dropped off the bags, and then would have uh, proceeded directly to where he was originally going to go visit dear old dad. Sure. Claudia, Edith, and Emmanuel, where do we find you heading after getting settled in? Well, I would 
really like to go out to the stables and check on the horses. Easily done. Uh, Edith will probably head to the library. She does uh, enjoy that room. And Emmanuel, where would you... Emmanuel is going to head straight towards the lounge where the fireplace is. Uh, there's a, a pair of antique shotguns that are over the mantle. He's taking one down, breaking the action, checking it out, making sure it's clean. Uh, it's his duck hunting rifle. And he is making all the notions like he is going to try his luck again in the morning. With the gun or with the ducks? Yes. I suppose that's fair. So we're going to go to, to Cecil, who uh, who arrives well before Edith and where Father is waiting. Um, he is sitting in his big chair that's in here. He's got some blankets across his knees. He has a small desk, not like an in front of you desk, but like off to the side that's got some ledgers and stuff that he is reading. And he is just in here doing whatever it is that he gets up to that these old rich people get up to and uh, pays you little to no mind as you've probably grown accustomed to uh, as you enter, Cecil. Well, Dad, I'm home. Is that right? And he just doesn't look up, but you can tell that he acknowledges as you as he waves his offhand over towards you. He is a uh, a larger man, something that his sons Emmanuel and Professor Michael have both seemed to have inherited this stature of someone who is, uh, I guess the word is, uh, this word is like imposing. A, a bear of a man. A bear of a man, one might say. And he is going to just... Now that you're looking at him in this light, maybe you can see a little bit of where he is starting to to feel his age. Where he is um, a little thinner than what you remember. Where he is a little bit more bundled up against the cold weather. Where he is... Just... Doesn't seem 100% himself. He's been having uh, a cough recently. Keeps blaming it on a chill in the house. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody's uh, like point his thumb back. Everybody's um, you know, getting in and getting squared away. How uh, how you been, Dad? He picks up a newspaper that is open to the stock market pages and shakes it vigorously. These damn numbers, they aren't they aren't working out correctly. Ah, well I guess I'll sort of play pretend is in anyway, isn't it? He'll say without the you know a, a little deflate, a little, little not quite the oomph that me would have had a year ago. He just looks at you crumbles and slaps it down. It's <clears throat> it's a very important year for us, Cecil. Cecil. Boy. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Cecil. I mean, he did choose it. But, uh, I mean, it's an important it's year. Well, it was... Well, that says a lot, but... 
what's the name? But why why is this year so particularly important? As you ask that question, Edith Ann, are you just walking in to this uh to this room or are you like listening at the door or anything? They're not trying to be um I'm not trying to be covert about the conversation that they're having in there, but she is uh he is talking just kind of nonchalantly. I think if if she was able to hear them as she approached the door, she probably would not barge in. She'd probably sit there and listen. She she barges in? No, I would not barge in. Sit outside the door and listen. He continues with uh pulling out a an envelope, a very official legal looking envelope, and he holds it for a moment looking at it, puts it back. There are changes that I'm making to the will, and that it's going to be something better for all of us. Big announcement at dinner time. Changes for the future, changes for the better. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, scratch his neck. I guess, if you think that that's necessary, I mean... Is that coming from anywhere? Is Cecil trying to to get something out of him? Is he being kind of like accusatory? Like, what's his what's his vibe here? Yeah, it's his his vibe is why this, why now? Like, what is the impetus? Is there is there something that's causing this to happen? You know, did you just get a wild hair up your ass? Is it? Are you ill? Are you? Trying to square somebody out. Like, what what is what is the the prime mover for this rather sudden? I'm bringing everyone to the house to change the will. That feels rather to Cecil abrupt. Yeah, well, everybody does come to the house for the holidays and other big events, but change, announcing the change of a will at uh at one of these holiday get-togethers is something that's a little unnecessary. Not right. Unnecessary, most most will changes are made. Quietly, they're not. They're not important, or it's some small matter of um, disposition of some. Pro- this is obviously big. It feels of of import, right? Yeah. So, where's where, where this coming from? This is play, I guess. He will shift in his seat and begins to take the the blanket off of his legs, puts it over to the side, and begins to slowly stand up. He's lost a step or two in the. The past couple of months. Well, you see, boy, when you start to get older, things become more more in focus than what they were. When I was a younger man, I made some decisions and some investments. And, well, some of those have paid off. Most of those have paid off. But every once in a while, one gets away. Takes okay. this, this fancy envelope. Not fancy, this important envelope. And he carries it with him over towards a uh, a part on the wall. There's a, a painting that he then opens up and starts to mess with a stereotypical wall safe to to put his paperwork in there. As I got older in life, my values and positions on things have changed. So I need to take those into account. Now, I will take the updates to my lawyer after the holidays. 
but it's important that everybody knows. And he has a bit of a cough. So, uh, I mean, you, you either dead? He waves you off as though it's no big deal. Ah, uh, fair enough, but you know, seeing things in a different light, different focus, starting to wonder if all my rantings and ramblings didn't quite fall on deaf ears. Let me guess, you leave it all to the international workers of the world? He'll, uh, he'll smile at the jab. As you are seeing him from the back, his shoulders visibly slump in a like, this fucking kid. Details will be announced later. All right, Dad. I guess I go meet up with everybody else. The whole fam family. Yes, that that would be good. Make sure everyone is welcome and situated. I will be down for dinner when I am ready. It's Hi, don't, Dad. Don't ruin the surprise. And he shuts the wall safe and spins the lock so as to, to reset it. Well, fair enough. Edith, are you doing anything besides listening to this? Um, I think when it sounds like they're going to be wrapping up, she's going to maybe try to hide as uh, they exit. Oh, by all means, please roll some dice. Stealth? Yeah. Boop. There. Joe. Wow. Never know when the Brides of Christ are going to sneak up on you. <laughs> right. uh, you're welcome to spend no. 20. Okay. No. Uh, if you have an interesting way of pushing this role, I am happy to hear it. I think she uh, turns around and like maybe tries to go into a room and it, it ends up being a locked door. Mm-hmm. Uh, as their door opens... Um, I think she's going to quickly uh, turn. There's got to be a closet on in the hall, right? Sure. There's closet. She, There's some little just, side tables with things. Can I, can I, I roll again and try to hop into a, a closet? Sure. Oh my God. Uh, the closet is uh, full of stuff. Probably all the luggage everybody brought. Uh, so yeah, no, you- she'll be caught. Yeah. <laughs> As you, well, not only will you be caught because it's a push roll, it'll be worse than that. Yeah. Um, as you go to open this closet door, brooms and mops and cleaning supplies just fall out onto you. And you can hear from inside the Commodore just, what's, it, what's that racket out there? And you can hear him making his way towards the door where uh, I presume Cecil is watching this absolute horror show. Yes, very much so. This was uh, quite excellent. He is just, just beaming at having watched this complete uh, this this train wreck in miniature. This, and how soon he knows that, you know, what she was doing, what she was up to type of deal? Uh... I think it would be fairly obvious that she was up to something because why would she be going into a closet? Indeed. <sighs> in a bit of a hurry there. I, it's been a while since I've been in the house and I just opened the incorrect door. Ah, yes, it can be so confusing. This <sighs> big old house we've spent so much time in, eh? Well, You've spent so much time in. 
That's right. Good point. I sometimes don't think about it. Ah, but she should come by more often. She'll frown. Like she'll get an angry face. Anyway, well, you know. <laughs> well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, she. Uh, my studies keep me at the convent, as you well know. Oh, you're so hardworking. I guess uh, it's, uh, something to be respectable, something to be uh, commendable. So, but uh, but hey, it's the holidays, eh? Spread his arms. How about uh, how about I get you a little eggnog? Maybe gin and tonic. No, you, I don't imbibe. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll clean this mess up, and then I, I would like to enter the library and, and perhaps read before dinner if if you are done in there. Well, as I'm sure you know, that would be accurate. See you a bit later there, cuz. As Cecil begins to walk away behind him, you can see the imposing form of the Commodore just looking at you with disappointment, Edith. Just like, of course, if it was going to be somebody, it was going to be Edith. She'll stand before him and lower her head. And I'm sorry, Commodore, for the disruption. It won't happen again. Perhaps instead of the convent, we should have sent you to be a scullery maid. And he turns on his foot and begins to walk in the other direction. Edith, if you want to roll a a spot hidden or something to appraise the Commodore as he goes, you are welcome to do so. Oh, good. Uh, Perhaps it's been a while since you've seen him, but he is looking physically much worse than last time you've seen him. He's thinner. He's lost weight. He's hobbling a little bit as though he is showing his age, but he's really trying to hide it as he walks down this, this hallway. He's putting on a strong and or brave face here. Have to make sure I say a prayer for him. Question is, which direction that prayer is going to go? <laughs> At this point, I will introduce a very specific thing that we're doing because of the themings and ideas of this, this little Christmas game. And that is that each of the players has another character that is extra frustrating to them. And this can result in them losing sanity as they slowly become more and more unwound at the family interactions as the holidays go on. Edith, what character frustrates Edith the most? Cecil. Cecil, I see. Can you roll me a sanity roll real quick? See whether or not you brush this one off. A success. That's good. You'll only lose one point of sanity as he is just a little frustrating. Cecil, who frustrates you the most? Emmanuel, the nephew. Indeed. We'll wait and see who and how those interactions go. Emmanuel, I'll come back to you. I think I know the answer to your question here. Claudia, who frustrates you the most? Didn't I? Didn't we, I? Hold on. I think we wrote that down. I was looking in my notes, too, because surprise for everybody listening. I, I made notes for this, but that seems to not be something in my notes. Yeah, I 
also don't see it anywhere. Um, oh, no, I do. It's Edith because she's old, like so old, and old she has no other options but to be a nun, and that's just gross. So gross. And then, Emmanuel, who frustrates you the most? They all frustrate me. Edith Ann is throwing her life away to the convent, whichever one it's supposed to be. Claudia does nothing but sit around and moon all day, and Cecil is a worthless waste of space. There you have it. I will also ask for a second sanitary, sanity, bleh, bleh, sanity roll from Edith from, for the lack of a better word, the the sanity attack of the Commodore on her as he's insinuates that she should be scrubbing pots and cleaning floors. I'll just take one more from you for, for him being an asshole. And we'll start to, to really wear down on the resolve of these, these players, these characters. As the holidays will continue, the amount of sanity damage that people take will increase because spending more and more time with these people gets more and more frustrating. I'll put it up to Emmanuel. Do you think that having interactions with Cecil and Edith would be sanity-inducing, or not yet? Uh, did he? I don't think he encountered Cecil. I thought he just encountered Edith, and he did the power move on the Reverend, because I don't think Cecil actually said anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, no, um... Emmanuel's brother did. However, I will do one for... I th- I think the act of crushing Reverend Green's hand has made him uh, particularly unsusceptible to sanity damage from Edith for the moment. In fact, actually, if you would like to roll a, just like a D3 and gain that much sanity from being a, an absolute dick, I would be happy with that. I will take the one sanity... Yeah, <laughs> crush a man's resolve and stuff, and you know you feel a little bit better, right? Wonderful, uh, Claudia. We're gonna pop over to you for a little bit, and we're going to have you go out and check on your the animals, um, bundling yourself back up a little bit and stepping away from your family. You're going to to head out near and head towards the uh, the help house that's out here. It's a small, uh, like twin cottage that's got two domiciles in it. One for uh, old Joe, and the other one Wesley and his mother live in. And then there is the barn, and inside the barn <coughs> are a variety of animals, including some horses. Uh, tell me about this this horse that you're very fond of. Uh, I have this uh, silver almost colored horse. Um, he is a, a funny looking Appaloosa in that he's mostly silver than with the spots on his butt. And his name is Lightning. And I just love him. I've had him since he was a foal. And we spend our summers together. And I, I just love riding him. It seems like we know what each other is thinking. Is that weird? Not weird at all. Do me a favor and roll me a spot hidden while you're here. Never mind. 
Uh, the stall is very well taken care of. Lightning looks very well groomed and brushed and exercised and fed. And sure, it may be a little bit late at night to go for a ride, but... That doesn't stop me from telling him all of what we're going to do tomorrow. I'd love to to go out all the places. There's this lovely overlook. You know, it's a little far ride, but I would love to to go with him and just how I missed him and just what I've been up to, you know, at, at home without him. The horse nuzzles you and returns affection in the way that animals that don't understand the words that you're saying do. But after a few minutes of this as you wrap up telling Lightning everything, uh, you will see that Wesley is standing by the barn door and is just watching you. And how long have you been there? I've missed you, Wesley. He gives you a roguish smile and quickly walks over towards you. Claudia, my love. And uh, hugs stand there awkwardly holding each other's hands. How how do you greet each other in an affectionate fashion? Uh, just the cheek kisses, just one on each. Very demure. Of course. As a proper lady should. And he looks at you for a minute and just a, a, a twinge of, of sadness crosses his face for a second. Like, you didn't find it, did you? No, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Oh, of course. Everything is wonderful, my dear. And he goes over into your horse's stall and brushes aside a little bit of feed and takes out a little box and brings it over to you. I know that Christmas is in a few days, but... And then he gives it to you. What? <laughs> For me, Wesley, you, you shouldn't have. That's so sweet. Um, I, op- I open it. Inside is a small locket. It's not on a chain. That would be another expense for uh, somebody who does not make a great salary. But it is on a lovely ribbon. Something that matches your hair very well. And then it just has a little C and a little W on the inside of it. This is beautiful. I absolutely love it. I, I'm going to wear it. I'm going to keep it with me every day. <laughs> It'll be like we're together even when we're apart. You know I miss you when we're apart, right? Not as much as I miss you. I can't wait till we can be together forever. I, I, I sure do. I sure do love you, Wesley. When you talk about being together, he looks a little dour for a moment. Claudia, the the Commodore. He, old Joe is saying he's he's not looking very good. Well, what what do you think? Have you seen him? Yeah, I, I I see him. I don't I don't talk to him often, but he's you know, he's older and has had a very full life, but well, he hasn't been 
coming down to dinner as often and hasn't been eating as much and has been sleeping more, it's Oljo seems to think it won't be long before he passes along. Well, as sad and unfortunate as that as that is, you are correct. He has had a very long, long life. And it will be a shame when he's gone, but then we can not worry about the stresses of this backwards old family. We can escape. Mother says it's it's bad to, to wish ill on on someone no matter what, but I do look forward to the day when he does pass into our Lord's graces and our life can truly begin. Darling, I don't think that you're wishing ill on him. I think that you're just wishing for our lives to start together. And that's that's positive. That's There's nothing negative. Don't be sad. Do not beat yourself up over this. You always know what to say to make me feel better. And with that, I just smile like a giant smile. That's because we're a team. We complete each other. Without me, without you, I am nothing. And without me, you are less than half. (laughs) He just gives a giant smile. And you guys are cute and adorable and just the absolute sweetest. Um, As we transition over to Emmanuel, who went and had a little... A little sit in the study, I believe you said? Yes, the window from the study that overlooks the estates. Would I be seeing the stables from there? I tell you what, roll me a spot hidden roll. Oh, I love rolling spot hidden rolls. It's a great roll. It is a great roll. You have the options of doing things. So he's looking out the window. Of course, it's dark now. He sees a couple of lights and a door close and shakes his head and um, finishes uh, cleaning the oil off of the barrel of the break action double barrel shotgun that he's going to be using for hunting in the morning. Puts it up back over the uh, over the uh, mantle over the fireplace. And proceeds to the globe where he opens it up and looks inside. He picks up a single bottle, a crystal bottle, uh, untoppers it, and uh, takes a sniff. Oh, this will do tonight. Grabs a glass and pours himself a a gin before replacing it and closing the globe, taking a long drink. Before you recap the bottle, you hear your brother's voice from the... Doorway. Does he have a nickname or anything for me, or does he just call you Emmanuel? No nicknames. Very formal. You hear his voice call out. Pour me one as well, Emmanuel. I will join you this evening. Michael, I would like nothing more. And he will pour a second glass before closing the globe back up and crossing the room to hand it to his brother. Who will come to stand at the window with you, looking out into the to the night here? He gives a small hmm, 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 hmm. So hunting in the morning, indeed, we shall. Excellent. 
How are the things? Uh, the things have gone well. We're expanding into New York from Boston, you know. It is good to hear. How yes. Is, how is the wife? Coraline is... Well, she's... Gone back to live with her mother. Your brother sips at his drink and says nothing. Takes a second sip and gives a... Mm. You happen to receive my letter? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. Inside the letter was asking for you to bring some of your miracle tonic to Christmas for he feels it could help his dear Deirdre, Claudia's mother. Manuel will lower his voice and say, of course I did bring you a case of the tonic. I've left it in the car at this time, but we can sneak out and move it to your car once uh, everybody's bedded down for the night. Just like old times, then. <laughs> exactly such. Memories flowed by of the two of you sneaking out of the manor house, going into town, getting up to trouble as two strapping young men are, are wont to do. Yes, indeed. Tell me, how has Deirdre been doing? Sometimes I wish she would go and stay with Mother. Yes, I understand. Speaking of Mother, have you spoken to our Mother? I sent her a telegraph a month or so ago. Received a letter back, said, um, That's nice, dear, doing well. Moving south to uh, Marseille for the winter. We'll write again after the holiday. The usual, nothing. I received a similar letter in response to my correspondence. I do hope that he looks out the window for a moment. It would be nice for Claudia to have one positive female role model in her life. Mm, yes, well, perhaps... When uh, the weather gets warmer, we can both write to Mother and see if she's willing to take Claudia for a summer. Spend it abroad in France. Have you met with Father yet? Or have you met with the Commodore yet? Commodore? No. Not as such. I decided to come here and prepare for a enjoyable pastime before attending to filial obligation. Indeed. I do believe dinner will be soon, and then, well, we get this family tradition over with. Indeed, I honestly don't know why we keep doing this, but I did bring some gifts for you and Deirdre and Claudia, of course. Um, do take them with you. Don't let me forget to give them to you. Emmanuel, you didn't need to do that. Nonsense. It's the holiday. What kind of brother would I be if I did not present gifts to my family? He gives you a a smile as you say that, a, a firm clap on the shoulder. And <clears> yes. Uh, and then he... Mm, I have a little something for you as well. Just in the room, we'll do a big exchange. It'll be a, it'll be a whole thing, a, a jolly good time. 
Well, I'm looking forward to a jolly good time. As everyone is around, getting up to the, their various things, preparing themselves for the long holiday ahead, what are your thoughts as you all hear the dinner bell ringing? Start with Manual Edith. Eggs. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to go left, right? Uh, right. Edith, you've you've been in this little library for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any rolls you want to make in the library to begin with before the dinner bell? Doesn't have to be. You can just be in here. Yeah, I, I was thinking. Do I want to kind of make a medicine roll to see if you know using the books and the medicine roll? Can I kind of figure out maybe what's wrong with the commodore? I'm happy to have that roll. You can have a bonus die given as you are in a place with all kinds of books on medical stuff. I mean, a bonus die. It's a percentage. Nope. Uh, if you get a bonus die, you get another uh, 10 position to be roll D10. That's 100. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, it's a, it'll take the place of the 7. Uh, so that's a fumble. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know what possibly could. <laughs> you could think on it. How do you fumble a medicine roll to see how badly somebody is dying? You misdiagnose. Yeah. You just misdiagnose uh, them with something completely wrong. What's the internet thing that you put everything in uh, and then WebMD. you're dying? WebMD. Yes. You've got cancer. Yeah. Everything's cancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Some of his symptoms seemed to correlate to some form of poisoning. It's, you know what? All of a sudden, some of it makes sense. He has this new wife, Dorothy, much younger than what his old wife was, and they have a a kid together. Maybe, maybe she's poisoning him. Hmm. Okay. And then the ringing of the dinner bell. Uh, with that, she's uh, probably going to sigh. She likes to stay in the library. She doesn't want to go sit and have dinner with these people. Um, so, yeah, she'll put the book away. She'll kind of straighten her. Well, she'll put on her habit because she took it off while she was in there alone. And she'll straighten her, her woolen frock. And I'll start heading down to the dining room. Excellent. Emmanuel, is there any rolls you want to make before moving down to dinner? Are there any rolls? Doesn't have to be. Just putting it out there. Yeah. No, I don't think so. He just, you know, had a chat with his brother. They shared each a uh, glass of gin. I think the dinner bell is going to ring and his shoulders are going to slump. But then he will straighten back up, straighten his tie, and say, well, it is time to endure, as we said in the Signal Corps. Indeed. Waiting for the next whistle to blow. He puts his glass down next to yours and walks out of here with with you to head to dinner together. Actually, he's probably going to go collect his wife before heading to dinner and hopefully find his loving daughter. Which, speaking of the loving daughter, is there anything you want to do right before the dinner bell rings? 
me. Mm-hmm. No, just be disappointed that I have to go so soon. I will, I will kiss Wesley on his cheek and just walk to dinner. He will reciprocate and he will stay in the stables for a little while so as to better hide your dalliances. And then he probably has an apple for lightning too. I just know it. He takes care of him so well. Very possible. It seems like the kind of thing he would do. And finally, the young man of the house, Cecil, is there anything you want to to do or roll before the dinner bell rings? Hmm. <clears throat> I'm thinking of the, uh, the dinner bell probably ringing right as he's uh, <sighs> finishing up walking around after the humorous encounter with his his, uh, his cousin, Edith. Edith Ann. Uh... Sure. I, I t- yeah, I, I think I have a similar vein of uh, analyzing his father, seeing what kind of shape he's in. Just, you know, you know I, he's clearly lost a step. Maybe he has something in his speech pattern. Maybe he had a tremor. Maybe there was something that betrayed something more than just a man getting a little bit older than, older than he was last year. So... You want to make a roll of some kind, or do you just indeed? Want to... Yeah, if uh, again, like I guess by like a medicine roll or some type of other sure. evaluatory, evaluatory. There's a word that presumably exists. All right. So practically, a word is anything that you can prescribe meaning to. So if we understand what you're meaning, then that is clearly a word. So I rolled an eighty-eight, which I feel yeah. like is bad for pretty much any type of number. What is your? How many skill points do you have in medicine? Again, I, I only have like the base stats, but I'm gonna guess it's not. 88. Oh, not an 88. No. Uh, so this is just a a regular failure, not a catastrophic failure like Edith had. So it's just, you know, not something you're aware of at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. That's a little older. How it goes? People get old. That, it's, it's fine. Everybody begins to file into the main dining room. The Commodore is already sat at the head of the table. To his right is Dorothy, his his new, much younger wife, who is actually younger than Emmanuel. The space to his left is currently empty. And Emmanuel, his brother, Professor Michael, and wife Deirdre, Enter together. Deirdre is requiring a little guidance that Michael is giving via just hooking their arms together. And they take a seat towards the one side of the table. And the reverend sits at, comes in and stands near the foot of the table, as he is not actually part of the family, but just stands there. And Emmanuel is there. And then a little later in comes Claudia. She was coming from outside. And everybody just starts to to assemble as the Commodore motions for everyone to sit. I will draw out a table with a seating chart for you guys in just a little bit. Um, and I think that is where we will call things for this evening. All right. Uh, before the chaos starts. Right before the chaos starts. Anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns? I'll probably clip this part off when I do a little minor editing. 
Nope, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Um, my only comment is that this map that you guys made um, with all of our um, connections and everything is crazy helpful. So thanks for that. You're welcome. Add a boy. Yeah, actually, I would agree. This is actually something uh, the website was recommended by the Vampire Discords because in Vampire there's supposed to be a big like relationship map, something like this. Which, if you guys are interested in, I will work on putting one together for Vampire. Yes. Yes, we used to kind of have one. I remember way when ago, it would be so much more helpful now that we have so many more characters and moving parts. And we can just keep adding more characters. It's crazy. I will try and get working on that this weekend. All right. In that case, uh, I look forward to dinner next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Wish everybody Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Yuletide. Bah humbug. <laughs>